Hello and welcome to Rike's Expat Podcast. This is podcast number 003 and today we're going to talk about five things to consider when moving to Southeast Asia. There are a lot of pros and cons when you're considering uh, moving, whether it be permanent or for six months out of the year, uh, kind of a semi-retirement sort of situation. There's people who are kind of like snowbirds. They really enjoy their home country during the summer months, but during the winter, they would rather just head out to the tropics. Now, there's others who would prefer to just, like me, like myself, to move permanently overseas somewhere and just uh, make a whole new life of it. And as you're trying to decide uh, where it is that you want to live, because there's, there's quite a few choices, obviously. Uh, I, I sort of break it down into uh, just a few major groups. There are a lot of guys who prefer more of a, a Latin spin on everything. And so you've got everything from Mexico to Brazil, Colombia, Puerto Rico, and I'm really, I've spent some time in Mexico and stuff, but I'm really not going to be talking about uh, the Latin countries. There's that to consider. And then another to consider is Europe. Uh, there are those who primarily live outside Europe who are fascinated with either the history or the politics or the lifestyle, and they would rather live in uh, the UK or uh, anywhere near there, out in uh, France and Germany and such. There's a lot of younger expats that uh, would rather live in Amsterdam for various recreational reasons. Uh, so that's another option that, that is out there. Another option is kind of the, um, oh, well, I guess I'll just call it the, the far adventure, going back to, say, Africa. I've talked to a few expats who have spent time in Africa, Amazingly, I, I've really not spoken with too many who stayed. Now, I know that there are plenty who have stayed, but most of the ones I talked to uh, went there. They had an enjoyable time. They, there were some things about it that they liked. Primarily, uh, these were expats that were looking to start a business overseas. But as, as far as the whole ball of wax, when they evaluated the whole thing, the ones that I spoke to anyway, they, they opted to, to go to the tropics. Now, there's... There's that other option, which is what we are going to focus on today, which is the tropical area of what I'll just call Southeast Asia. Now, in, in Southeast Asia, we have uh, quite a few options. Even though there's, there's plenty more places, I'll just talk about the, the main choices that, that I've talked to expats and gotten their feedback. And these would be primarily the Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Singapore, China, and Japan. Now, there are, again, pros and cons to each, and, and, and what you're going to have to do is essentially your due diligence in getting information on the places that you're, you're interested in. And a good way of doing that is through podcasts such as these. Uh, mine is primarily focused on the Philippines, but I, I am open to the idea of Southeast Asia as a whole, so I will every once in a while talk about other places. But you would want to get into Facebook news groups that are focused on those countries. You'd want to watch YouTube vloggers of guys who actually live in the country that, that you're interested in. And what, what I want to cover today with you are five aspects 
that you should look at. There are plenty of things to look at, but I really believe that these five are the most important, and these are going to establish the pros and cons for the place that you want to, to actually make a decision about. These five things, I believe, really have the most weight in, in making your decision. So we'll start with number one. Uh, number one is language. Now, when it comes to Southeast Asia, the, the outstanding choice is the Philippines if you happen to speak English. In the Philippines, two languages are taught in the schools, English and Tagalog. Now, plenty of Filipinos will speak English, Tagalog, and then their, their local dialect, whether it be Ilongo or Cebuano or Visayan, but they're generally gonna focus on English and Tagalog. So a person, an expat, can get off the plane and stroll into town and easily go about getting settled in and live there among people who speak English. Now, the English may not be perfect. Of course, it's not going to be exactly the sort of English they're, they're accustomed to hearing in Australia, UK, or United States. But it's, it's, it, there's a English bedrock there to work with. And really, I've not found it any big problem. Once in a blue moon, it's, it's, there's some little nuance of a word or, uh, very minor things. Like, for instance, I went to a restaurant one time and the waitress asked if I wanted a menu. And it really took me like two minutes to, to just connect what it is she was meaning by menu. And what she meant was menu. So, I mean, that's like the extent of it. Um, everything else you're going to be able to pretty much function when it comes to language in the Philippines. So I would say when it comes to language, the Philippines really kind of comes out there on top. Singapore, uh, you're going to have some English there, not quite to the extent of, of the Philippines, but uh, they are accustomed to expats, of course, coming in. And, and with any of these countries, when you're talking about the main tourist areas, because they're tourist areas, there's, you're going to find a bit of English. Now, here's the pro and con about that. Say, for instance, you were to go to a certain area of Bangkok in Thailand. You could probably find a neighborhood uh, that is attractive for tourists where there's going to be some English spoken by the waitresses and the waiters and, and maybe a landlord here and there because they're accustomed to dealing with expats from around the world. But because you're going to a basically, I won't call it a tourist trap, but it's pretty much like a tourist honeypot, the, the price is going to go up. So that's, that's the cost that you're going to have to deal with if you're, if you're going to go to a place like Thailand or Vietnam or Cambodia where English is not taught in the schools, you're going to have to pretty much limit yourself to the tourist areas where a lot of expats are living and they're used to dealing with them. Uh, if you want to live out in the province, you can do that, but you're just going to have to make it up in your mind that somehow, some way, as you go along, you are going to learn that other language because you're going to live there long term. If you're going to live in the province area of, of Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Vietnam, you better plan on pretty much learning those languages. If you just don't feel that you're up to it, 
if you if you've convinced yourself that hey I'm just too old to be learning a new language, then you you've either got to consider a different country, consider the Philippines, uh, for instance, or you're going to have to just accept the fact that you're going to need to live kind of in the inner city where all the other expats are and pay expat prices. So the first consideration you really want to make is language. Now I mentioned Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam. The other two, for instance, uh, Japan and China, it's going to be especially pressed upon you to learn the language. It's, it's not really all that accommodating to English. It's their country, and it's their language, and you pretty much need to get up to speed. You can find little pockets of expats here and there, I'm sure, but for the most part, if you're going to live there long term, you really, really need to kind of bone up not only on the language, but also on the local culture. So language is the first thing that you want to consider when you're, you're looking at a Southeast Asian country for retirement. Now, criteria number two is medical. When it comes to retirement, you're doing that usually in your later years, and as we get older, uh, we just end up needing a bit more maintenance and upkeep. And some of us have more serious issues than others. Uh, some require medications on a regular basis. Others may be handicapped or have, for instance, say, just difficulties with the mobility, perhaps with a cane, perhaps with a wheelchair. I, I know an expat in the Philippines who gets around on a wheelchair, and, and he's uh, actually quite inspirational in doing that. So medical is and hospitalization if that's already on your plate as something you deal with on a regular basis because you need dialysis or you need insulin, you need whatever it is, whatever treatment or medication you already know you need on a regular basis, then a big criteria you're going to look at in a country is can they provide that. In the Philippines, I can tell you that it's very hit and miss. There is the VA for those who are United States veterans. The feedback I've gotten so far is that it's not really centralized. It's up in Manila, and it's a very slow process. And between the local providers wanting to be paid up front and getting reimbursed from the VA, it's, it's just kind of a big hassle to deal with, especially in the Philippines where people are accustomed more to, or at least it's more productive, to deal face-to-face -face rather than over the phone or over the Internet, which means you're either going to have to live near Manila to take full advantage of the VA benefits, or you're going to have to plan on going there at some point to straighten some mess out. Now, if, if the VA is just not a part of your life, you still have the issue of if you need a major hospital. Now, may, when I say major hospital, I'm talking about what we generally expect in the Western world as a functioning, somewhat state-of-the-art, semi-sterile environment hospital. And in the Philippines, you're talking about pretty much the metro Manila area and the downtown Cebu City area when it comes to the best hospitals. Now, again, you, you may be the kind of person that does not want to live in the big city. 
Now, you can go ahead and you can find a great place nearby, maybe within five hours, six hours of either Manila or Cebu, if you don't need constant medical care, but maybe you're thinking, well, I'm in pretty good shape, but had a heart attack already, and who knows, I could end up having another one. Well, you can probably find a, a place that's not smack dab in the middle of downtown. You can probably find a place close enough that if you had an issue, you could get either to a major hospital in Cebu or Manila within a, a fairly reasonable time. Depending on, again, your, your, if you have your own transportation, whether, now if you have to take a ferry, you're kind of screwed because you have to deal with the ferry schedule and all that. But if you have your own van, that's basically going to be your ambulance. That's something you want to really take into account. Now, when it comes to the Philippines and you're not in the Manila or the Cebu City area, when you start getting out to places like Bohol and or even just, let's say, really kind of off the map, out in Argao, Bogu, up in um, Iloilo, you may, if you're lucky, you may find a pretty decent hospital. Here I've seen, what I've seen in, for instance, the various islands that I've gone to, they kind of come in three stratas. There's the provincial hospitals, which are kind of like a mash unit. I guess the one thing that kind of wraps it up all is that I've never walked into a hospital until I went into a provincial hospital where I saw cats and dogs just roaming around in in the hospital. That's pretty much the level at where a provincial uh, rural public hospital is at. And then you kind of bump it up a little bit, and you got what I call sort of the mid-range hospitals, which are, you know, there's not going to be any dogs and cats, or at least not as many, and there is going to be a pharmacy nearby, and there's going to be some sort of a routine in place, some sort of a system. It may not be as fast and as slick as what you're used to in the West, but at least they do have a doctor cycling through. They have another doctor that's available for checkups. They have clinics, and they have a pharmacy on site. They have nurses doing rounds. They have intern students go coming through on a regular basis. So it's a little bit better than the public hospitals. And then there are, again, the, the top strata hospitals like Chiang Mai out in Cebu, where you're going to be at about as close to a, a Western level of service as you can expect. If you're in pretty good shape, you could go out and you could live out at, say, Sugar Beach which is a beautiful, wonderful, fantastic, tropical, beautiful place to live, but you're pretty much about seven hours away from any major hospital. You'd either have to go up towards Iloilo, maybe, uh, Bacolod, or back up all the way to Silliman and Dumaguete. You're going to be pretty far removed, but when you're not dealing with an illness or whatever, it's a great place to live. Now, as far as other countries, by comparison, the other Southeast Asian countries seem to have a much better medical situation. The standard of care is a bit higher, cost is maybe a little higher, but you're going to get better care at more places in, say, for instance, uh, Thailand or Vietnam or Japan or China. The third uh, criteria that you want to look at is the immigration requirements. 
Now, for instance, if you want to live long term, you really don't want to have to be leaving the country on a regular basis. Most countries are going to expect you to check in at least every two months. Now, the Philippines will give you, will sell to you a two-month, a six-month, or a one-year tourist visa extension. So you, you do have that option. So Philippines is, again, kind of top of the list as far as the, the ease with immigration. You only need to check in every two months if you're doing a two-month renewal, uh, or every six months or every one year if you're doing those. And that's if you're a single guy who is is just here essentially as a tourist. You can stay for up to three years in the Philippines, and that's consecutive. And then at that point, after the three years, then you do have to leave the country for about 24 hours, and then you can come back and you just reset the clock and you start all over again. So the the amount of time that you can stay in the country without having to leave, again, Philippines comes out on top in, in that regard. In Thailand, it's, it's more between 30 and 60 days. Every 30 to 60 days, you're going to find yourself having to leave the country. Now, it's, it doesn't mean you have to fly back to your home country. You can satisfy the immigration requirement. They have buses that you can pay and it's for this whole it's for this serving this whole immigration purpose they will take you on a bus outside of the country you can then go goof off spend the night somewhere and then come back the next day and now you're good for another 30 to 60 days depending on which visa you've you've set yourself up with but that's pretty much the maximum Unless you're going to marry a Thai woman or be willing to lay down a pretty large financial deposit, you're, you're pretty much stuck with leaving every 30 to 60 days. So that, that is a bit inconvenient. Now, Vietnam is just a little bit longer. A little bit longer, you can stay there. I, I haven't checked recently, but I, I believe it's somewhere between three, about three months, figure about three months. So you can stay a little bit longer, and you can do extensions and, and, and all that, but it's, it's not as lengthy as the Philippines immigration situation. And that pretty much goes for the others. Now, uh, with Japan and with China, if you come in and you get a work visa, uh, and you plan on actually working in the country, well, then you can go ahead and, and you can you can work out something there, and, and then you're in the country long term. The overseas foreign workers, the OFWs, they do this all the time, and they will go there and stay for up to three years working in the country. So you do have that option. Whereas in the Philippines, getting a, a work visa is actually more difficult than simply doing an extension on the tourist visa. So there's that to consider immigration. The next thing you want to look at, your fourth criteria, is cost of living. Everybody has a different budget. Everybody planned different for their retirement and such. The exchange rate currently in 2016 is hovering right about 46 pesos, Philippine pesos, to the U.S. dollar. And it doesn't really fluctuate a whole lot. It was, it was, I believe, 43, uh, four years ago when I came in. So it's, it's gone in favor of the U.S. about three pesos. So it's, it's, it's not like it's wild or anything. It's, it's pretty, pretty steady. And, and it's a pretty good exchange rate. It's, uh, it allows most expats to live very comfortably for roughly between 1100 uh, US dollars to 1600 US dollars a month 
and at 1600 you're you're able to finance having a wife and kids and and all this as a single guy you're pretty much doing fine with 11 11 to 1300 you're just pretty much styling you're doing great so so there's that advantage when it comes to cost of living in the philippines now i've gotten various reports from other expats when it comes to cost of living in thailand and vietnam and the reason for that again comes back to the areas that they lived in those who who had learned the language and lived outside the major cities had a very low cost of living in vietnam and thailand pretty much it was the same applied to cambodia actually but the ones who just said, I need to be around other English-speaking expats, and they decided to live in the city, they were, again, as I mentioned before, they're going to pay a premium on rent, on restaurants, on transportation, on purchasing items. Those areas are simply going to be a bit more inflated in cost. There's a trade-off there. For instance, the cost of living is fairly low in the Philippines, However, the infrastructure reflects it. You're not going to see a 911 type service in place. You're not going to see sidewalks that go for much more than 10, 15 feet. You're not going to see a lot of the things that you would hope to see in a city. For instance, stop signs and police enforcement and public parks and this sort of thing. So that's something that's kind of a yin and yang there. Whereas you could go to Singapore or China, or Japan, and you could live in Tokyo, or, or Hong Kong, or right there in Singapore, and you can have a great infrastructure. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to have clean streets, and, and no trash scattered everywhere, and no shady-looking, or at least not many, uh, shady-looking areas. Uh, it's going to be a much, a much nicer environment, but the cost is also going to be much higher, much higher. So you, so you pay for that. If you want a great infrastructure, if you want great internet, then your cost of living is going to be reflected in that. In the Philippines, again, low cost of living, but internet. If you really need internet, Philippines has about the slowest internet speeds for a country in all of Southeast Asia. So you're, you're going to have to plan on spending a bit extra, probably about fifty to sixty dollars a month, just to get anywhere from four to perhaps uh, ten, fifteen megabits per second. Whereas in other countries, you will get those same speeds at a much cheaper cost because the infrastructure is in in better shape and there's more uh, competition. There's a free market where you've got plenty of uh, internet providers. So they're all striving to, to provide good service. Same thing with the, the road uh, infrastructures and all that. Now, so cost of living, you're going to kind of break it down into a few things. When you're looking at cost, you're going to be looking at the cost for, that you're going to have built in, for instance, on your immigration fees. You're going to be looking at the cost of your lodging to rent out an apartment or a condo. You're going to be looking at the cost for groceries, utilities, and then you want to look at the cost for transportation. Again, those are going to vary widely whether you're looking at Tokyo, Hong Kong, or you're looking at the Philippines, or you're looking at Singapore versus Bangkok or Chiang Mai. 
So the cost of living is going to be a major factor that you're going to want to look into. And again, this is where talking to expats who live overseas really helps out to kind of just get some, some really gritty uh, daily numbers from them, what they spend a month on electricity, food, dining out, etc. The final thing to to take into consideration when thinking about living overseas is safety. Now, there have been many discussions about safety, and there's, there's many different perspectives and views on it. I'll just share with you some of them that I think are relevant and some that I think are not. When it comes to safety, there are those who feel that safety is just sort of a ambiguous concept, that you're never really safe anywhere that you're just as unsafe in your home country as you are in Thailand or the Philippines. Only because of the unpredictability of the future, I think, could you, could you take that position and, and hold it in context. But there is something to be said for safety when it comes to, say, for instance, the, the legal system that's in place, the culture, whether the, the culture has a favorable view of foreigners coming in or whether they do not. Uh, there's, uh, when it comes to safety, you want to look also not just is someone going to harm me, but how safe are you to just simply go about your daily life. If, if you're in a country where legally it w it's just so easy for any citizen to make your life a living hell, just because of a minor lawsuit or any of that, then you want to you want to take that into consideration. Now, when you look at the news, you're always this is my my perspective. You're always going to find really horrible things happening in every single country. There was, for instance, uh, a beating of some elderly people, elderly expats. Um, I can't remember right now if it was in, in Thailand or Vietnam. I'm almost positive it was those in Thailand. And, and a lot of people saw that attack and they said, oh, well, they just don't like foreigners. Well, no, it's, there's bad eggs in every country. There's hoodlums that, that are just angry and hateful. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily reflect the entire country. It simply means that that sort of thing can happen. So when you're looking at a country, one thing you want to ask the expats about is how safe do you feel there? And and again, it's we usually say how safe do you feel? It's, it's really not a feeling. What you're really looking for are some sort of supportive facts. Is Does a person, does an expat have a reasonable expectation of legal recourse? Now, in the Philippines... Things are kind of changing right now in 2016. There's kind of a movement towards extrajudicial handling of, of circumstances. There's a, a big push to get rid of drug dealers and corruption, which is a good thing. But the, the sort of negative aspect that's come out of it has been an endorsement uh, from directly from the president. And this is, this is all public record. This is all out in the news. It's, it's no big secret that he endorses vigilanteism, uh, the, the public, taking these matters into their hands, and no trial, no nothing, just if you catch a drug dealer, just kill him. Now, there's a, 
for us who are Western-minded, who come from a European or North American background, we we don't find that very comforting to know that that outside of the rule of law, any citizen could take up a gun or any other weapon and execute lethal justice outside of the judicial system, outside of the police system. That That is something that we just really want nothing to do with. So that's, that's something to keep in mind uh, when you're looking at, say, for instance, the Philippines. While it has the benefit of language and immigration and cost of living, um, safety-wise, that's something you really want to take into consideration. Uh, Philippines also has in the southern end of Mindanao, and again, this is this is widely known information. This is uh, something you can get through Google. Simply doing a search on travel advisory or state advisory warnings, uh, Philippines, and what you will see from Australia and Canada and United States and Europe are warnings about the the various militant extremist activities going on in the southern part of Mindanao. There have been kidnappings for money, uh, of specifically of expats. They're considered to be worth money. So, and there was just a, in 2015, there was a kidnapping of four people there in Samal, uh, a, little, um, a little island just right off of Davao. And uh, these people were just on their boat, and next thing they knew, they were they were kidnapped and and taken. So when you're looking at moving to a country, safety is that fifth criteria that you want to take into account. Thailand, uh, one thing to take into consideration is that they are a monarchy, and currently their king is quite elderly and. He may be passing on here uh, in the not-too-distant future, and that could cause a bit of political unrest. There was a bit of political unrest back in 2014, simply when he was ill, and and there was a lot of protests and such in the streets. So, so that's something to kind of factor in when you're thinking about Thailand. And then there's Vietnam, which, again, it just depends on your comfort level. They are a communist country, but they're also very, um, I kind of liken them to Taiwan. They're, they're, they're open to capitalism. They're open to interaction and business with foreigners. They see the advantage of that. So that's, that's something you can kind of weigh out for yourself. But the question you have to ask for yourself after speaking to expats who, who live there is don't settle for just the answer, I feel safe. Ask them, well, why do you feel safe? Is it, what is it? I mean, do you feel free to speak your mind in public places or you feel safe because you speak in a hushed tone and you, you change your route home every day? You know, I've actually had expats tell me that, for instance, in Mindanao. They said, oh, Mindanao is very safe. Just, just don't, don't speak too loudly in public. Don't, don't give any views in a restaurant. Don't let him, you know, be careful who's overhearing you. Try to be alert if anybody's watching you or watching your route home. And, you know, don't have a regular day that you go to the bank. And when they're telling me, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, but it's safe. Well, you know, that's not very convincing. 
So, um, so as you, you talk to expats that are living in a country that you're interested in, ask them not just do you feel safe, but, but why? What are your reasons? You know, what, is it the crime rate? Are there reports that you can pull up online? And can the statistics support the fact that there's a low crime rate? Uh, things like that carry more weight to me than a person's opinion who says, well, I've been here for two years and, and nothing's happened to me. Well, that doesn't mean the place is safe. It just means nothing's happened to him yet. So anyway, so just to recap, uh, the five things that you want to take into consideration as your criteria when moving to a country in Southeast Asia is, number one, the language. Number two, the medical resources, hospitals available, and the quality of care there. Number three, the immigration requirements and how long you can stay. Number four, the cost of living for lodging and transportation and food and utilities. And number five, the sense of safety that you feel in that country. All right, so I hope you find that useful. And again, the best, uh, the best sources of information you can get are people who are actually living there. So network with them, find out who they are, listen to their vlogs, listen to their podcasts. You're going to get the information uh, straight from them. And, and not from just the travel brochure that tells you it's more fun in Country X. So, um, so I hope you find that helpful, and I'll see you guys next week.